Don Wagon to Horror Court Trash Shovel, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And happy Halloween. It's Halloween. Yeah, yeah, it's Halloween. It is. I'll have some spooky noises from you. I can't do spooky noises. I hope no one's out trick-or-treating. Uh, well, apparently it's allowed, um, as long as you follow new rules and all that shit. But no one's coming in. It's a fucking death that. hole, the sweets. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure everyone listening to this is uh, probably a bit too old for trick-or-treat. If you're, I hope so, if, if you're listening to, to this, especially this episode, we're going to get quite quite graphic here. Um, we get a little, Excuse me? A little sexual. This, that's not unusual for us, is it? Let's face it. It's not even sexy. It's, it's I not... can guarantee we'll be talking about fisting and masturbation in this episode. Oh, Okay. Uh, let's hope no one turns off at that point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's Halloween and we're bringing you a spooky episode. And, and if you're still trick-or-treating, you're far too young to be listening to this. Yes. Um, you've already heard me say fisting and masturbation. And, anyway, we're talking today about what we believe are the 20 scariest movie moments. Now, in case you're like, well, actually, you haven't seen every film I've made. Yeah, we know. We, we know that. And... <laughs> These are films we've watched, and as I said with the zombie episode and this this films by non horror directors, these uh this list is based on films we've seen and what we believe to be the twenty scariest movie moments. This is our opinion. Yes, no, no one's actually came no. for me uh, for us about this, so you know I don't know what I'm saying, but just in case, just, just in case fun. there's a little troll out there who wants. It's to... just a bit of fun, and I ain't gonna lie. My choices are kind of pulled out of my ass with doing very little research, so just just off the top of my head, stuff that I remember. So if you've got any suggestions, yeah, we, they're always welcome. You know, it's always always good to hear your scariest moments. We'll we'll read it out on our next episode. It'll be a bit out out of place on our next episode, but you know, if you want to uh, well, horror cult trash ever exactly, just uh, send them. It's in. always Halloween, but yeah, so. Strong spoiler warning: Each scene we're gonna give you the setup out of context. But it will still contain spoilers. Yes. Um, and yeah, and they're all pretty iconic, though. There's no they are random ones that we're not going to ruin some, you know, film from the sixties that no one's ever heard of. What? If if you're a horror fan, you you should yeah. have really watched the majority of these. So yeah, uh, and again, all twenty of these we recommend the films themselves as well as just these individual scenes. We're not saying these are the scariest films of all time, but these are the scariest moments, and uh, the films are worth checking out. So now you've had the rules, Come let's on, get down disclaimer. to it. So coming in at number twenty, we have Carrie. Also, uh, another one uh, I think for last you mentioned. These are all the originals. Um, so obviously, these films have remakes. We're talking about the originals. Carrie, uh, from, I didn't put years down, from the 70s. And the 70, scene is... Five or six, I think. Carrie gives Sue a hand. Have <laughs> you done this for all of us? Some of them. Some Carrie of them. Where gives I could. Sue a hand. And this isn't the fisting reference. So, <laughs> Sue, the only survivor of the prom night massacre, struggles to deal with the trauma she has experienced. She has a nightmare in which she lays flowers on the charred remains of Carrie's home and suddenly Carrie's bloody arm reaches from beneath the rubble and grabs Sue's forearm. Did you write that? Partially. Okay. I took it from Wikipedia and moved it around a bit. I see. Um, 
<laughs> Don't sue me. So, yeah. Iconic. This is an iconic jump scare. So, this isn't going to be littered with jump scares. Neither of us are, the f- are fans of films that rely on jump scares. No. And Carrie is the quintessential film that doesn't, you know. Yeah. It doesn't rely on uh, jump scares, but it has a fucking massive one at the end. And by God, did it get me the first time. Yeah, I mean, later on we'll be talking, obviously, about Friday the 13th. That has a few littered throughout the film. Of course. Uh, This doesn't have a single one uh, that I can think of anyway. No, no. Until this moment. Carrie is a... We did a podcast on it, but Carrie is a slow burn. Mm. It all builds up to that prom scene. And, you know, that is... In terms of the, the tension scale, that is off the charts... And then it's back down to earth, and then we have the final scenes with Carrie and her mother. And then you have this ending where Sue is, you know, having a a dream sequence. She's moving very slowly, and it's a bit like the film itself. Moves very slowly, and then bam, out of nowhere, you shoot yourself. So where uh, applicable, I'm going to introduce a little thing I called... When did this make you shit your pants? Oh, um, what's your earliest memory of the scene? First time I watched it, because this isn't this isn't the scene that people talk about no. in the film. I was, but about... it's also the scene that when you mention it, people are like, oh yeah, yeah, of course. So I I watched it on video, and it came up at the end, and I crapped myself. <laughs> I don't know how old I was. I just seemed like fourteen, fifteen. Um, and then my mum had seen the film at the cinema and I spoke to her about it. And she saw it when it came out. And she was like, oh, I shat myself at the end when that hand <laughs> came out. I was like, you could have warned me. <laughs> yeah, mine was uh, when I first watched it. I was fairly older, I believe. But not too old because it was still on TV. Uh, so I, I think I may have been like... 16, 17, something like that. Mm. Uh, and it's, it was on at Christmas. The British TV had this weird thing where they'd show Carrie every Christmas Eve. I don't know why, but it would always be on there. Did you ever see it on Christmas? No. Yeah. Like, one, one Christmas, it showed Halloween too. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? But anyway, um, and then it comes to Halloween itself, and TV was quite shit. But, yeah, they were showing Carrie one Christmas. I watched it late at night, and you're just not expecting it, especially when you watch it late at night, and there's been nothing like this prior to it in the film. It's just so out of nowhere. And it really got me. Yeah, it it is. It's it's a perfect example of a jump scare done right. Yeah, absolutely. So moving down to number nineteen, we have Return to Oz. How's your heads with an S? How's your heads? <laughs> now this was my choice. Carrie was my choice, and this was my choice. And you would you like the setup? <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> Ruined I my moment. I could have given it, but okay, I'll give it. <laughs> Dorothy, Belina the chicken, and TikTok visit Princess Mombi, who collects heads and decides to imprison Dorothy to take hers. They meet Jack Pumpkinhead, build a creature, and steal the powder of life from Mombi, waking up all of the heads in the process. 
So this isn't traditionally a horror film, unless oh you God, ask every single person that's ever seen it. Exactly. Anyone who watched it when they were younger knows that this is a fucking horror film. Yeah. I, I mean, I had watched it last year for the first time. Yeah. I, that, this is my, um, when did I shit myself? And it is, it's unsettling. It's very unsettling, even watching it as an adult. It is, because it's, it's marketed as a sequel to The Wizard of Oz which is a fun musical for all the family. And then this is a really dark film. Yeah. Um, and essentially, the, the, you know, the premise and the lead up to this scene is that Princess uh, Mombi wants Dorothy's head. Yeah. You didn't have that, you know, no one was after Judy <laughs> no. Garland's head in the original. And the heads themselves look Absolutely oh my god, they're terrifying. so scary. So, so Dorothy's trying so hard not to wake the heads so she can get this key. And she does wake them. And so you have all these <laughs> decapitated heads, these very beautiful women, mm. screaming at her. And then this headless body comes out to try and grab her. Yeah. It's fucking, it's frightening. You know, and when I, I must have been... Before I was 10 years old, because this is a film that they used to put on TV during the, the afternoon, yeah. back in the day. That's that's probably when I first saw it. And yeah, really, really scary. Um, a, a special mention to the wheelers in that film as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Mombi's henchmen, and they kind of got... They're very pale, and they've got wheels for feet, but really long limbs... Yeah. Um, but their faces, and they're like, scre- they're like screaming all the time, and they've got dreadlocks and stuff. It's really scary. They, they, if anybody's seen it, you, you, you'll know what, what I mean by the wheelers. I believe it's actually on Disney+. Plus. It's um, a Disney film. Yeah, so if you are looking for uh, something to put on for the kids and scare the life out of Halloween, <laughs> put on Turn to Oz. Exactly. It really is. <laughs> Really creepy film, really, really good as well. I think um, I think it's a cult. Who directed Turn to Us? I don't know. I think it's someone well known, weren't it? Uh, no, no, I don't think no? he did well after. Oh. If I'm being honest, I know it's a cult film, but it's a cult film. It didn't do well at the the, the box office, uh, as as far as I know, because. It's so different to the Wizard of Oz. People are expecting the Wizard of Oz, and they did not get the Wizard of Oz. Maybe you. maybe it'll be one for Halloween classics in the future. Yeah, potentially. I've said that a lot recently, so if know, we ever, yeah. you know, if when we get around to it, I'll forget. Just remind me. In, in twenty thirty, we'll do it. Yeah. Uh, so next up, we have something a little more recent. Number eighteen, we have Hal House LLC clowning around. Oh, if only the scene was as light-hearted as that makes it sound. Uh, so, while setting up their scare attraction, Paul goes looking for Tony and comes across one of their clown dummies from the basement, staring into the basement. Paul turns the camera away. It's a found footage film. Paul turns the camera away, and when he turns it back, the clown is now staring at him. Honestly, this scene fucked me up, and I paused this film, and I didn't watch the rest of it until the next day. Really? I promise you that is that is when oh I first God. that is when I first shat myself to this film. I was watching it. I you know it got to that point where we'd had so many found footage films that I wasn't expecting much from it. So it all started being really similar. Um, the House of October built uh, the House of Halloween, whatever it's called now. That was released, I think, before this. So 
I'd already seen that. I thought it was just going to be a cheap cash-in. And up until that point, it, it wasn't really... There's a few things here and there. And then this happened with this fucking hideous looking clown and i i have i you know i'm I'm, an, I'm the ultimate cliche i have a fear of clowns myself and that moment just sent shivers down my spine and i paused it immediately and did not finish it until the next day were you by yourself when you watched it alone in the dark watching it you know me i'm not a huge fan of found footage films um this is this is one of the better ones yeah um, it is a really creepy scene, actually. I'm, I don't have a fear of clowns, um, but it, it, it's it's very effective. It, it, it is well done. When did and you first shit yourself? When when did I put this on for you? Was this when we first got together? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. You 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 were dying to show me it for mm-hmm. a very long time, um, and it it is it is good, and it is a really effective scare. It really is. Um, the sequels are fucking dark. Oh, the sequels though. are fucking bullshit. Don't bother with those. Oh, my God. But the first one really is worth watching. It is, yeah. it is up there, some of the it's, best it's, found footage films. When did this film come out? 2015 or 16, I think. Oh, okay. So it is... Uh, I thought maybe this had influenced a lot of YouTube videos, but it's kind of in that sort well, of I mean, the whole premise genre. of Hell House is people's phone footage of this incident that happened at the scare attraction and then going back and seeing the setup for it and what happened, how it came about. Mm-hmm. So it is very much in the YouTube uh, ghost videos era. Yeah, um, yeah, but it's very good. It's very effective. Yeah. Very well done. It, it is. And, and the clown himself has like blood coming from his eyes and a blue mouth. It's just fucking terrifying. So yeah, that is Hal House, which is available on Prime, by the way. Next up... Is it? I thought it was Shudder. Shudder on Prime. Oh. Next up, number 17, we have The Conjuring 2. Uh, simply, I just put My House, because I couldn't think of anything else to call it. So, oh, can you not do it in his voice? My House! There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Told you it's going to be a spooky episode. <laughs> Janet is off school sick on her own and on a rainy day. Uh, are you quite finished? It's coming yeah. up again soon, so you could do it this time. Janet is off school sick on her own, and it's a really rainy day. It's, this film does such a good uh, job of showing Britain. <laughs> yeah. It's so miserable. Very Kid off sick. <laughs> Kid <laughs> off sick. <laughs> Watching oh, TV. Easy as just saying that, off school sick, watching TV, doing fuck all. Watching Lucy Min. <laughs> Her mum's left her there alone. <laughs> no, she's watching Margaret Thatcher. This is like the uh, the, the 70s, is it? Or the 80s is set in? And Margaret Thatcher's on TV, and then there's like this British comedy show. Honestly, considering this is directed by James Wan, who is not a British man, I was so impressed. Yeah. Well, it was a very dingy house as well. It's, it is what you expect to see in Britain. But anyway, uh, Margaret Thatcher is, isn't the scariest part of the scene, <laughs> no. but you know she's up there. So she's watching TV, and the channel keeps changing itself. Uh, eventually, it stops working. It's just static. So she goes over to it, hits the TV to get it to work, and it switches off, revealing Ghost Bill Wilkins sitting in the armchair behind her. When she looks, he's not there, but the TV remote is levitating and falls to the ground. And you think that's it, that that scene's done, but the camera goes back and forth between Janet a few times. Then suddenly, Bill appears behind her and shouts... My house. That was a shit impression. (laughs) 
Thanks. Well, how can I what top yours? How can I top yours? So, uh, yeah, this is a great example of how much of a great filmmaker James Wan is. Um, because he really fucking sets this film up for... Uh, this film? This scene up for a long time. Mm. Uh, before throwing a jump scare in there. And, and that's the thing. You, you think of The Conjuring, I think a lot of people associate with jump scares. It... That's more when it gets to the spin-offs. I feel like The Conjuring 1 and 2 does have a lot of jump scares, but it does it right. Uh, like the wardrobe scene in the first film. Yeah. Which I always forget's there every time I watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, same with this. It's um, One has a certain way of doing it that doesn't make it feel forced. It feels necessary. I, I first uh, shat myself at this scene when I watched it at the cinema. Um, when it first came out, I believe it was opening night, and it was one of those rare instances where you've got a loud screening, but it's not an annoying loud screening, like, everyone's really into it, it's a really good atmosphere, so you can tell the whole fucking room is on edge by this point, and then this scene happened, and I'm telling you now, no one in that cinema saw it coming, and the place, everyone just screamed. That's the effective ones. Yeah. Where you build up, and you build up, and you build up. In, you give them something unexpected. And I can't time it, no matter how many times... I've seen this film a few times, and I could not time this scene. But it's always fun to watch with people. I watched this with uh, my dad for Father's Day, and I knew the scene was coming. And I <laughs> what was, a way to celebrate. Oh, you know what that's like. So we were in the cinema watching it, and I was just waiting, and I was just watching it. It got him as well. It's, it, it's fun to watch with other people. And it's the same with you. Uh, you first shot yourself at this. When was it? We did like a little marathon, didn't we, before at about creation, so... I think that would have been 2017, 2018. I think so. This... I've watched a lot more modern horror since I've been with you. Yeah. Um, did I nod off the first time? You did, and we watched it again. So I think I missed this I don't think you missed this scene, though. No, did I not? No. I like The Conjuring too. I prefer it to the first film. I, I, I think it's the best out of that whole universe. Film I think doing. they're both very good, and I think they're both as good as each other. Um, my issue with the Conjuring two, and it happens sometimes with films. It's a phenomenon. I, I don't understand. Uh, maybe you know I'm losing it. Um, but there's certain films where I do, I remember really enjoying them, but I forget a lot of it. But do you remember the scene? Like like one of the most memorable scenes in the film. No. You not? No, I don't. And um, we've included it on the list. <laughs> well, this is your choice. Well. It's a democracy. <laughs> this relationship is a democracy. Anyways. Uh, but yeah, it's very effective. And if you haven't seen it, and you try looking out for it, you're not going to get it. Because even I can't remember how many times the camera changes before it happens. So, good luck. <clears throat> Prepare yourself, because you still won't be prepared. Should we rewatch it for Halloween? If you want to. Yeah. yeah. And then in in, in our... Post Halloween episodes, I'll let you all know how it goes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so number sixteen, you better remember this one. So we watched it last night. <laughs> number sixteen is Sinister and Barbecue Seventy Nine, a nice home video. For fuck's sake! <laughs> That's what a tape is called in the film. It's <laughs> a nice little home video. That's the way you said it. <laughs> Ellison watches the second tape that he found in the attic of his new home. In this tape, a family is seen having a lovely barbecue before being tied up in their own car, which is parked in the ceiling fan. I, I don't see how that's possible. I think 
Wikipedia got that wrong. Uh, it's parked in a garage, I'm going to say. Ceiling fan? I, I, I don't know if that's something in America. What they class as some... I, I have no fucking idea. Honestly, garage, anyway. Uh, and the unseen... Garage? Garage. <laughs> garage. Whatever. Garage. The unseen figure lights the car on fire. Now, Sinister, I feel, doesn't get enough recognition for what it does. Yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult because... I think it's one of the better horror films um, of, of modern day. Uh, it, definitely up there anyway, because when you watch it, there's a lot of things in between the Super 8 tapes that feel like we've seen that before. Mm-hmm. But this kind of started that, so it's, you, sometimes you've got to remember they've come from somewhere, these, these modern horror tropes. And I think this, this, was, this and Insidious definitely started them. Um, like the whole ghost kids thing and that I mean obviously it's been around for years but I mean the more modern version of it yeah. that you expect to see now yeah. um, but the real effective scenes in Sinister are the Super 8 tapes and that is what sets it aside from other modern horror films because it's so different it's so different yeah because uh, for the majority of the film apart from the tapes there isn't much horror no really no you know, um, so these tapes that we're watching at the same time as the the uh, um, Ethan Hawke, Ethan Hawke, the protagonist is watching it for the first time, and they are super creepy, mm. and they're very grainy. Yeah, and you know, um, yeah, just it's that kind of. I don't know, old school look to it that yeah. adds to the creepiness And, and that's the thing. Uh, Scott Derrickson, who directed this, he's very clever when he did this because he knows how to lure the viewer in. When the film starts, the opening seconds are a family being hung from a tree on one of these tapes. Yeah. But it's out of context. So when he finds these tapes, that's when you realise that's what it was. And before it shows you these families being murdered, you get to see them just going about their day, you know, having a great time and everything, being filmed. Uh, but it's the soundtracks for me that really do it. Like this one in particular, yeah. um, Barbecue 79, once it switches, it has such a relaxing soundtrack, but then once it switches to the death scene, the cinematography immediately changes, and so does uh, the soundtrack. And it's like voices, like muffled voice. You can't understand what they're saying. And yeah, it's just fucking, oh, it's creepy. I think it's another film that influenced a thousand YouTube videos. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. This was found in my attic. This yeah. was found on my doorstep. Of course. But, um, yeah, no, I think because there's these moments of horror kind of sandwiched in the middle of quite mundane things, mm. you know. And he's slowly well, investigating. He's slowly you know? investigating yeah. these, but it, it's not particularly exciting. It's more interesting. Mm. Um, so you have these parts of, of horror sandwiched in between, making them a lot more effective. And then they're not brutal, necessarily. No, no. And that's where they made a mistake with the sequel. They went a bit more all out with them, yeah. with the tapes. And, you know, you're seeing people's teeth being pulled out, people that's having rats the, put inside the, them. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's not the point. That wasn't what Scott Derrickson was getting at in yeah. the first film. He, he did something very subtle... And it's what you don't see that scares you. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 very it's still very effective without having to be balls to the wall, gore uh-huh. and, and grime. Yeah. So when when did you first shit yourself? To this. When you showed it me first time. 
Cool. No more to say about I that. I can't remember. I'm glad, I'm glad viewing experiences of me are exciting. I'm going to fucking well, I'll give you my, I have a bit me. more of an exciting... Gary showed me this film tonight. <laughs> I have a bit more of an exciting diary. side of it. <laughs> um, I saw this again at the cinema when it first came out. And uh, at the time, I lived somewhere that was kind of... Near enough in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I had to get a bus back after and... After the, you get off the bus, there's a long walk across a, a field with absolutely no lighting whatsoever. And for the life of me, no matter how much I tried, when I was walking across this field with no lighting, I could not stop thinking about this fucking film. <laughs> and it was the scariest walk of my life. See, things don't affect me like that. No? No, I find it, I find it creepy. I find it scary whilst I'm watching it. But at the end of it... I'm like, okay, back, yeah. back on my real life now. Yeah, some, some of them play... Like, it's only a movie. Uh, it, it's, it, I think it's, it's, I mean, obviously, you know, we can't all be as brave as you. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I think it is, it is to the film's merit when they can make you think about them after you leave them. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, speaking of which, another film that did this to me, uh, a film that still scares me to this very day, Number 15, we have Ghost Watch and Pipes in the Shadows. Or do you have a funny name for this? Pipes in the Shadows. Uh, where the voice recording scene. Oh, no, I don't. But no. I might think of one whilst we're going through. Dr. Lynn Pascal, previous Slay Queen of the podcast, uh, is showing Michael Parkinson the recording of Suzanne making demonic noises on a tape machine. As the noises get worse, the studio lights begin to dim and Pipes can be seen watching her from a distance. Now, it was difficult to pick one scene from this. Yeah. Uh, there were so many that stand out. But this scene, you mentioned this earlier, and you know, I agree, this does stand out. Slightly more than everything else. Um, because, again, it, it's some really great tension building. And, of course, for anyone who hasn't uh, listened to our episode on this, go listen to it. And anyone who's not familiar with the film, it was shown as a, real, as a live broadcast on the night. Um, it, on, on BBC in 1992. So people thought what they were watching was real. Uh, so, uh, of course, you have this scene really set up with these horrific noises. Um, and as if that wasn't scary enough, you can see a ghost in the background. And this is 1992. You can't record TV. You can't pause, rewind or whatever. So imagine seeing this in 1992 and be like, wait, did I really just see that? Mm. And and Pipes is scattered throughout the whole yeah. um, film. Yeah. Really, and he looks terrifying. He's got like one eye scratched out. He's a bold man, a big black leather dress. He looks terrifying. Yeah, he does. But the thing yeah. is, you can never see him clearly enough to make all of that out. It's only like here and there that he yeah. pieces together. Yeah, and it, it's it's just really effective because you know we're listening in to this. Uh, it was the the girl in there, wasn't it? Yeah, and her vo- her voice being taken over by um, whatever entity it was. Pipes. 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 <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you kind of focus in on that, and then you just sort of see it in the background. You're like, ooh, you know, it be people. I mean, obviously we weren't watching it in 1992. So we knew it wasn't real when we watched it. But imagine if you did think it was real. Oh, no. I didn't even know... So when I first shot myself at this, I didn't even notice this the first time I watched it. The very first time I watched it, I barely spotted the pipes things. Mm-hmm. I, 
I wasn't. I was so like captivated by what was going on. I, I wasn't really. It didn't stand out to me apart from the few, the really obvious ones. And then I think it was about like the second or third time I watched it because I watch this every year in October. And when I realised, like, holy shit, that is actually really fucking terrifying. And it's based on the same story, real life story, as The Conjuring Two. Yeah, yeah. So Pipes is my house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> oh, Pipes and his glory hole. Oh God, yeah. And if you don't know what Gary's talking about, listen to our uh, episode. Glory hole. Go back to the <laughs> episode. It was quite early on. He was really early on, wasn't he? I think it might be like seven episodes in or something like that. Yeah. That's one of my favourite episodes you of You were dying to talk about Very it. proud of that. So, next up, number 14. Uh, when did it first scare you? When I did you just shit your pants? I just told you. Did you? Thanks for listening. Oh. <laughs> you didn't say it like that. Well, when I first shat my pants... There you go, thank you. It was... I, it, I first watched Ghost Watch when I was about, uh, like... 15, 16, I'd heard about it, because my family watched it at the time, and, you know, my uncle was fucking dumb enough to try and call up and think it was real, um, and obviously got a a dead phone line, because it wasn't real, and the the phone number was fake, um, but I was obviously, you know, I was getting into horror films, my parents knew, so they told me about Ghostwatch, um, but they they could they can never remember the name of it when they were telling me. Then I saw it on the hundred scariest moments from Channel Four. Um, we're not ripping you off, don't sue us. Um, and then I got the name of it, and then I sorted out after a while because it took me fucking ages to find a thing. Um, and eventually I found it and watched it, and it was terrifying. And yours was a little less exciting because it involved me again, didn't it? Yeah, you showed me it. <laughs> when was it? Probably the first Halloween. Oh, it had to be. No, no, it wasn't. Because that was the year where we, I think we, we watched Rob Zombie's Halloween on Halloween. The fuck was wrong with us? Jesus Christ. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Could have been watching Ghost Watch. <laughs> Sorry, was that you trying to impress me? Trying no. Rob Zombie's Halloween. No, I was like, what shall we watch? You're like, oh, I haven't seen, I haven't seen a Halloween remake. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah, great, let's put that on. <laughs> Yeah, I regret that. That's not on this list. Spoiler alert. So, at number 14, we have Wreck, or as I said in a zombie episode, as you may also know, REC, as in record, uh, The Penthouse. Um, there's probably loads I could say for this, but... The, the, the funny names are away for a while. Anyway, Angela and Pablo escape the infected and hide in the penthouse where they discover a tape recorder providing exposition of a possessed young girl called... Uh, Tristana, uh, and the owner of the penthouse was isolating her due to a certain type of disease she had brought on from possession. It is revealed that she is what caused the outbreak in the building, and he sealed her in there to die of starvation. Now, keep in mind again, this is a found footage film. The attic door swings open, Pablo has a look in the attic, and an infected boy attacks him, damaging the light on his camera and causing him to switch to night vision, and once he does... He realises Tristana is loose and looking for food. This entire sequence uh, fucked me up. I, I'll, I'll jump to one when it first made me shit myself. I had this on uh, DVD and it was sort of a word of mouth film. Um, like, oh yeah, you've got to see this film. And I was like, okay, whatever. Um, so this is before Paranormal Activity relaunched found footage. This is years after Blair Witch. Um, and is this before 
Was this before Paranormal Activity? Well, it was 2007, so it was the same year Paranormal Activity was made Mm. and did the festival run, but two years before it got its big deal released. Okay, So this is very... This... I mean, it's hard to know which one kick-started it off more because this was very well known. It still is to this very day. But I had it on DVD and um, it was quite late at night. I had it on and the the film from beginning to end just scared the life out of me. But then this ending, it's it's one of those... It will, it'll always get me no matter how many times I watch it because the imagery here is just fucking disturbing. Yeah, it really is. It, it, it's it such because the the film builds up so much throughout the whole thing, and it's quite relentless at times. Like it just doesn't stop. It is only an hour and ten minutes long, and it doesn't stop. It you know once it gets going, it just goes and goes and goes and goes. And then just when you think it's about to end, it, this scene happens, and it's just so out of nowhere and horrible. Yeah, and the found footage part of it works. Yeah. Sometimes when the fan footage, when you're sort of like, why the hell are you recording this? We shouldn't be seeing, you know, mm. when it gets ridiculous like that, then it takes you out of the moment. Mm. But it all makes sense. And, you know, it works as a fan footage film. And I think it works better as a fan footage film than if you'd had the same story mm. in a normal sort of horror film. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's the imagery's great. And uh, it's uh, another genuinely quite good jump scare when that oh, the, kid... the jump scare is unbelievable. Another one that will always get me because you don't know when it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, the look of the, the girl... Oh, my God. Yeah. It's really creepy. And that really is actually creepy. an actor in, in full makeup. And I don't know how they fucking did it. Yeah. But, Ooh. oh, my God. She's just like... She's so skinny because obviously he's been starving her and... Uh, the way her arms swing around and everything, the way she moves, it is so, so, so disturbing. And I think it's be- because the film, like you said, when it gets started, it is unrele- unrelenting. Mm. It never stops, never stops, never stops. And you come into the end now, and there is slight moments of peace, you, mm. you know, and then boom, again, you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> Can't take much more of this. And I think it's because of the lighting as well, because obviously it's in night vision, um, so you only get to see her every now and then, and it, it's those clips, and again, what you don't see scares you. Yeah. And you get that You get that image, and it puts it in your head of what she looks like, and then, yeah, it's just so good. Yeah, and then something else that... Um... I talk about a lot on the podcast, but we actually really like the main girl. Yeah. We really like her. So mm-hmm. we, we're fearful for her as well. Um, and what might happen to her up there. Yeah. No exciting when you first shit yourself story about watching it with me? No? No, I watched it with no. you. <laughs> of course not exciting. All of these <laughs> modern ones I watched with you. So continuing that trend at number 13, we have Juan the Grudge. Uh, the original, of course, as, as I mentioned, we're talking about originals. Um, and it's the uh, Takio's Creepy Stairs Walk. So Rika finds Mariko dead in the upstairs closet, rushes downstairs and is stalled by a fleeting reflection she catches in the hallway mirror. She then has flashbacks of Kaiki and Toshio following her around ever since her first encounter. Kyoko's uh, 
hands and head appear from inside Rika's blouse, only for her to appear uh, to disappear and reappear upstairs. Also, I said the, na- the name wrong. Uh, it's not Takeo. The, the stairs walk, it's Kyoko. Just so you know. I'm an idiot. Um, preceded by her blood-curdling death rattle. Would you like to do an impression? No. Oh, no. <laughs> what was oh. that? <laughs> Can't do it. No, so you can do it. There we go. No, you can do it. That's what it sounds like. Um, she drags her mangled, blood-covered body down the stairs. You're still going. That wasn't me. Oh, whilst Rika helplessly stuck to her place is unable to move away from the horror coming towards her. And because you were talking over that, let me just repeat it again. She drags her mangled, blood-covered body down the stairs because that's what's the, the scary thing about it. Okay. Um, yeah, so J-Horror is fucking amazing. It's one of my favourite types of horror because I'm pretty sure... And uh, Do you know what? I tell her two sisters probably should have been on here, the kitchen scene from that. Um... No matter how many J-horror films you watch, they, they always have something. No matter how good or bad they are, there's always something that stands out in them. And, and I'm one, you know, one of the people who believes The Grudge is a masterpiece. Um, and, and this scene just stands out so much. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's another film that has some quite like mundane parts and then you have these real moments of mm. horror. Uh, sandwiched into it and uh, it's almost like an anthology yeah um, yeah the grudge it is and it's really creepy imagery that noise is super creepy when it's done right <laughs> not when I did it um, yeah it just really works these moments and, and you could choose quite a few moments from the yeah. grudge um, uh, there's the jump scare of the kid under the sheets yes yeah, yeah. Um, and that could be the lift, 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 yeah, no, absolutely. This uh, as a whole, the grudge is is a scary film. Yeah, it's quite scary. Do, yeah, do you do do you think that sometimes foreign films, because we're having to read subtitles as well, Mm. do you think that takes away from the the scares? No. I don't really have any issues with most subtitles. Most films I, scare, I find scary are foreign language films. It's true. Uh, well, it's that sounds true. fucking I... awful. No, not because they're foreign language films, no. but because they're just really, they're really good at doing scares. Yeah. And, and I think we foreign language films are, you, you know, the, the real good ones do find a market internationally. Yeah. Because there's probably a lot of uh, Japanese and, and Korean horror films that we've never seen because they're not particularly good so sometimes oh, Taylor Two Sisters Korean weren't it yes yeah. Was, yeah yeah so um, only like the real best ones make their way over here the, the majority of the time so I think maybe that's why we think foreign films are so so much better yeah um, but th- this is an example of a really good one um, I haven't seen the remake of you. Yeah, the remake's all right. The Sarah Michelle Gellar one. I mean, you know. Does it? Is it just a tried and tested formula? Just near enough. Near enough. This this American. scene. Yeah, this scene is still pretty creepy, but not as effective as mm. the original. Um, so of course you watch this for me, so you wouldn't have anything science to say about the first time you watched it. I that. owned it on DVD, and I never got around to watching it, and then so the DVD disappeared into thin air. And so I didn't... No, I didn't properly watch it until I met you. Yeah, um... So... 
what happened with this one was uh, what made me shit myself uh, was my dad watched it first, but he watched it alone late at night. Now, obviously, you know, my dad is uh, a horror fanatic just as much as I am. Been watching it for years, um, and it not a lot scares him. Like, I mean, less than probably less than you. Mm. Uh, like, it really, it's got to take something really scary to get him. And he watched this um, and just brought it on DVD from as I didn't know much about it. Um, and he said to me the day after that he couldn't sleep after watching this scene mm. uh, because it scared him that much. And I wanted to watch it. Now, this is when it first came out in 2002, so I didn't watch it for a few years after this, but that always stuck with me. I always really wanted to watch The Grudge because of that scene. Uh, and, of course, much to my surprise, the rest of the film was fucking, pretty fucking terrifying as well. Uh, and then that scene I watched, and, yeah, it just terrified me so so scary and it's, it's the sound effects in it as well and that scene like the bone crunching and ugh, it's just disgusting <laughs> so coming in at number 12 uh you better have a when i first shut myself moment story about this uh friday the 13th just when you thought it was all over uh, <laughs> alice boards and falls or, or as i also like to call it he's still there He's still there. <laughs> Alice boards and falls asleep inside a canoe which floats out on Crystal Lake. We get some lovely Harry Manfredini music calming us down after the rest of the film um, being pretty gory and whatnot. And then suddenly Jason's decomposing corpse attacks her at which point she awakens in a hospital where she is told there was no sign of any boy in the lake where she was found. Yeah, so this very much like Carrie and Ghostwatch we spoke about on the podcast. Yes, also. What? Sorry. We also spoke about this on the podcast. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but very much like Carrie, you have this little bit at the end of the film where um, it 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 takes it, things very slowly, and um, there's there's sort of like a weird filter as well isn't there mm. particularly in Carrie but also in this and you think oh, this is it the end everything's fine and then you just get a really effective jump scare and the, uh, we put this higher because I think this is probably more iconic than the Carrie one yeah um, this is probably you get a lot more imagery with this as well you just see Carrie's hand in that jump scare this you get a full decomposing child yeah and I, I mean and also this jump scare pretty much led to the sequels and, and, and all yeah. that business um, and the franchise as, as they would call it and it it's just the kid looked super creepy um, it came completely out of nowhere it, it wasn't one of those it, it, there was just that change in music so it's not like, you know, someone's it's shouting no. to make you jump, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's It doesn't feel cheap. It, it doesn't feel silly. and I, I mean, it, it could have felt a bit silly or, or looked a bit silly. Yeah. Um, but because Friday the 13th is a silly film, yeah. let's be honest. Um, but it's, it's probably the best part of the film. Yeah. Really. Yeah, no, definitely. When you think about it. It's definitely the most effective part of the film. Actually, I'm quite upset you said that. Why? Well, are you forgetting? Lizzie, you're always be playing. <laughs> yeah, that is, that's my second favourite part <laughs> of the film. Uh, 
Oh, I'm an old friend of the Christie's. Yeah. <laughs> old death curse. So. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the best jump scare <laughs> in the film. Do you know why it out? No, I'm so sorry. You know, we've completely wasted your time. I totally forgot. The best jump scare of the film was where the creepy old man comes out the food <laughs> storage cupboard. So, um... What's his name? I want to call him Willie. His name's not Willie. His, his name's not Willie, it's Ralph. Ralph, Ralph. <laughs> the fuck Willie in the brain, Jesus. Um, so this made, this made me shit myself at a very young age because this is the first horror film I've watched properly and full and paid attention to. A little much too, a little too much attention to this scene. Uh, it absolutely scarred me for a while. <laughs> it, I nearly jumped off the fucking sofa. Cause I, yeah. I, it's such an effective jump scare uh, because of the music and everything. And of course, I was a kid. Of course, I wasn't fucking expecting this to happen. Of course, I didn't do any research before it to find out this was gonna happen. No. And and that's the best time to watch a horror film, and you don't know anything that's gonna happen. And it really got me. Yeah, Friday the Thirteenth was. Uh, not a, f- a film I was massively familiar I was much younger when I watched it um, so I, I didn't know this happened at the end again it, it's it's an iconic scene but it, it's not really uh, pe- people are actually quite um, kind and anyone that I'd really spoken to about the film or, or read up online on Windows 98 dial up modem <laughs> didn't actually really mention this scene no so I definitely wasn't expecting it. Now we just ruined it for all of you. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's your own fault for not watching it by now. Yeah, you should have watched <laughs> it by now. So, especially if you listen to our episode on it. So, number 11. <laughs> we already spoiled it a long time ago. <laughs> number 11, we have Blue Velvet, Frank's big debut. After Dorothy forces him to undress... Jeffrey hides in a closet where their encounter is interrupted by the arrival of Frank Booth. Frank beats Dorothy and subjects her to fisting, dry humping, humiliation and sexual role play. When did he fist her? I was going to say, I didn't know until two hours ago that she gets fisted in that scene. No. And now I can kind of see it. It kind of makes sense. Yeah, so it's not a graphic fisting. It's not, it's not like... <laughs> that's Actually, that's probably not the first time we've said that on this podcast. <laughs> no, no. Um, this is... The, the scariness of this scene is... It's Dennis Hopper. Is Dennis Hopper. <laughs> but it's one of those... It, it's different to a lot of the other uh, scariest moments where it's... This is very reliant on some expert acting. Yeah. Particularly from Dennis Hopper, but also from Isabella Rossellini. And it's so perfectly acted, It he doesn't ham it up. It could be a performance that was hammed up. Yeah. And it could be a very silly scene because of it. And it's yeah. not. It's so creepy. It he really is. is so creepy. He's so scary. And... You know, we really feel for Isabella Rossellini in this yeah. scene. And we we kind of feel like um, Carmen Conklin yeah. in in the, um, whatchamacallit? In the closet. In, in the closet. <laughs> in the closet watching. We kind of feel like that. And, and his tension, because, you know, very much so he could be next. Yeah. And it's just... It, 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 
Dennis Harper and his whole mummy, mummy thing. Oh my god! Literally, it, it's uncomfortable to watch. It is. It, it and it's what David Lynch does best. He adds fucking weird shit in films, and this is just beyond it. Like he has this weird gas thing that he has through like a uh, what? What do you call this thing you put on your face? It's an ox- oxygen mask. An oxygen mask. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he he has this fucking weird gas thing from it, and he just goes crazy, and. Obviously, it's the first time we see this character, and he's, like, calling this woman that he's essentially forcing himself on. He's calling her his mom and putting his head in the boobs while he's calling her mom. It's, it's fucking ridiculous it, how just disturbing it is. Yeah, and and it's... I think it's also very different to a lot of the, the scenes in this film. Because I do... I would class uh, Blue Velvet as a horror film. Yeah. Um, is It's very sexual yeah um it he's essentially raping her mm-hmm. you know so that really ups the, the the scare factor for me i, I find scenes like that so uncomfortable mm. um but it's it it's done well it doesn't feel cheap no it doesn't feel silly or stupid and david lynch is a, a filmmaker that can do that yeah you know a lot of filmmakers have tried and not succeeded mm-hmm. in that blending between the surreal and the real. Yeah. And making it work. Yeah, it's not sexualized at all. No, no. Uh, so when uh, I first shat myself when this was on that same uh, list that Ghostwatch was on, The 100 Scariest Moments, very watered down version of this scene. Uh, and it was one of those, again, the 100 scariest moments was when I was really young. And I, you don't really see a lot on uh, this. I mean, I think the most you see in this scene is uh, Dennis Hopper taking his gas and saying mummy. Um, but it stood out for me on the list because it was so different to everything else on there. And then it was followed by my parents, un, you know, unintentionally hyping it up for me by saying, oh, that's a disturbing film. You can't watch that. No, you can't watch that. Obviously, I was fucking desperate to watch this film because I would need to know what was going on. Um, and I didn't watch it till fucking, like, five years ago. Uh, and when I did, I still had no idea what was going on. Um, but it, it lived up to every expectation. It's a fucking amazing film. Yeah. When did uh, you first watch it? I was obsessed with Friends uh, when I was in school. Loved the series Friends. and the, the, uh, <laughs> I'm going somewhere with this. Um, oh, to you American listeners, it's a series where... That's what I thought you were going to do. No, like, the series no, Friends. No. Like, <laughs> how do we get from Friends to Blue Velvet? Well, I'll tell you how. I was obsessed with Friends, and Isabella, Isabella Rossellini guest starred in one of the episodes. And Ross mentioned Blue Velvet. And I was like, oh, oh, if, if the Friends lot have watched Blue Velvet, I want to watch Blue Velvet. And I, mean, I was quite particularly young. Um, and then I did my research on it and I was like, okay, I really want to watch this film. And it was sort of a couple of years later, I'd, you know, I didn't have a DVD player. It, you know, um, my mum probably wouldn't have bought it for me if it was on VHS. I don't even remember ever seeing it on VHS. And it came on TV. And so I was like, I need to watch this. I have to watch this. And uh, I did. And I just thought it was the 
greatest thing that I'd ever watched. Yeah. It's still one of my favourite yeah. films. Um, but from that day forth, I was like, you know, it was an, an epiphany moment where I was like, oh shit, you know, this is how great films can be. Yeah. And it, it was my favourite film for a very long time. Loved it. Loved that film so much and still do to this day, of course. So we're coming into the top ten, and speaking of your favourite films, we have A Nightmare on Elm Street and Tina. Tina. Or Tina's death, yeah, as it might also be known. When Tina falls asleep, she dreams of being chased by a disfigured man. Rod is awakened by Tina's thrashing and sees her dragged and fatally slashed by an unseen force who then drags her across the ceiling and drops her. Now, that's a very brief description of a very yeah. long scene. yes. Um, so I'm just going to go through what makes this scene so scary. So first up, you've got the whole whispering thing, the Tina. That's fucking terrifying, first up. Second of all, the first time you see Freddy is the scariest time you'll see Freddy out of any of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Yes. By far. And I know you could say the beginning, uh, where he jumps up. Not really, you can't really see him, but here you get a clearer image. But he's still in the shadows enough for him to look scary. Yeah, the pulling his arms out thing is stupid. It um, looks a little hokey now. But it's still... The whole alleyway setting of that scene yeah. is enough to make it creepy. Yeah. Um, you know, chopping his finger off, pulling his face off. When I first watched this, I was just fucking... Why the fuck is this guy doing this? But that just made it all the more scary. Um, and then... And it's weird talking about this because I think the amount of times we watch Nightmare on Elm Street on a yearly basis, it's easy to forget the first time you watched it. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, you, you think that scene's over, you think she's going to wake up and then she gets one of the best fucking death scenes in horror history. And this is our lead girl at this point. Yeah, This course. is who we think we're rooting we're, for for the rest of the film. We're for her, yeah. You know, we're introduced to the film with her. We're following her story by this point. And, and it's fairly early on in the film. It's so... It's like less but, than 10 minutes in. But we are, you know, we're getting to know Tina and the focus yeah. is on her. Yeah. And we're like, oh, okay, this... You know, we've seen enough horror films to know where this is going. Yeah, she looks like a final girl. Exactly. You know? It, you think this is where it's going. And she gets a very brutal death. Yeah. When she's, you know, covered in blood, flying around the room, mm. getting her, you know, chest slashed open, mm. screaming absolute bloody murder you know that's a real gruesome death for someone that we just started to like yeah and, and i think a lot of the credit for this could definitely go down to amanda wise who absolutely makes this scene that is essentially a fantasy horror for in what is the fantasy horror film so believable yeah she is so good in this like i said with blue velvet it, it's a melding of the surreal and the real mm. And making it work. Yeah. You know? Um, for, for me, I think Nightmare on Elm Street gets a really bad rep. Um, yes, it goes into the ridiculous with each sequel. But I think it did something that not a lot of other horror films did at the time. Is that Freddy Krueger was laughing at his victims. Yes. You know, Jason doesn't talk. No. Michael Myers doesn't talk. Mm. Whereas Freddy spoke and he was actually making fun of you. Yeah. <laughs> he was yeah. laughing in and your face before he kills you. Yeah. And like, again, a lot of this could put down to Robert Englund. You know, 
Robert Englund really shows his charisma here. Yes, um, yeah. You know, it's like you said, he's making fun of someone he's about to brutally murder. And when mm-hmm. he's murdering her, like, he's still, you can still hear him grunting and stuff. Even though you can't see him in the room, you could just see her being dragged around the ceiling and grunting, and hear him grunting. It's it's really, really effective scene. It's very effective. And with how camp the rest of the film is, sometimes it's easy to forget how effective that scene is. Um, and, you know, the body bag scene is up there with it as well. Yeah. Yeah, and of course this was reenacted in New Nightmare as well, which definitely deserves a shout out. It reenacted really well with the babysitter in that film. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, when I first uh, shot myself during a scene was when I first watched it. When it wasn't far after I watched Friday the Thirteenth. To be fair, I, um, again, I was really young, and it was just on TV one night, and. Mum's like, oh, it's a good film. You should watch this if you like Friday the 13th. And it scared the life out of me. Because, I mean, Friday the 13th is, you know, you watch someone go around butchering people. This is someone in your dreams murdering you. And, and that really, that played on my mind for a while. The whole concept of you fall asleep, you're dead mm. in this guy's world, in this film. And it's it's terrifying. It really is. It, but, I mean, now we're pretty much desensitised to it because... We've watched it probably, I'm not even exaggerating, probably over a hundred times. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I've seen it a ridiculous like, amount of times. <laughs> we've got it on our Halloween schedule coming up for the, for today, technically. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it really is one of the greatest horror films of all time. And it was so effective the first time I watched it. And, and this scene does still get you. It was, it was probably the first real horror film that I watched. I remember my cousins had a cardboard cutout of Freddy Krueger when I was younger. And that, that image stuck with me. And then a few years later, my brother told me uh, he'd gone around someone's house. And uh, they'd watched Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Oh, and someone's head gets shoved through the TV and that. And that image stuck with me as well. So it was on TV one night. And so I was like, oh, I really want to watch this. Uh, Luckily, I recorded it off the TV because I loved it so much and it was so effective and and scary because I was still a fairly young age. I watched it the next day. Yeah. First thing I did when I woke up was re-watch it on on the VHS that I recorded it off the TV on. Because I loved it, I just thought it was amazing. There's no set amount of times you can watch this film. It never no, gets old. No, it never it gets really old. It really doesn't. I, do, I just don't understand how people can't just enjoy it. Yeah. I don't know what. I don't know who. I doesn't mean, you're saying like that. I'm, I'm sure there's probably more people who look at it as a masterpiece compared to people who don't look at it as a masterpiece. Yeah, but it's still even if you don't, if even if you think it's silly. Even if you think it's, you know, a stupid film, there's still so much fun to be yeah, had watching yeah. it. So, moving to number nine, we have, uh, we're coming back up to modern day, we've got Midsummer. Mark's Face Swap. How's that? Mark's Face Swap. <laughs> so Josh sneaks into the temple to take a photograph of the commune's sacred runic text, which an elder had previously forbid him from doing. He sees a half-naked man, yes, he has his cock out, wearing Mark's skinned face and is hit over the head, after which his body is dragged away. What the description leaves out is after he's hit on the head, this fucking disgusting, horrible, disturbing, fucking, ugly-ass fucking face swap thing 
stands over him and just goes, ooh. Now, you know as well as I do, weird faces, masks, things like that, and weird noises are two of the things that scare me the most. What I'm going to go to when I first shat myself, because this is when we were both together. We watched it for the first time together. So we were in the cinema watching this. I was already on edge by this point because it's such an unsettling film. And when this happened, I grabbed Chris's arm and looked away from the screen. Films don't do that to me. And you actually shat yourself. I, yeah, I mean, you I actually shat myself. out of the cinema. We had to uh, go back the next films day. Films scare me. Films scare me. Sometimes. But this scared me like no other film has ever done. Like, to the point I had to look away from the screen. And I still had the same effect when I rewatched it on Blu-ray. It's... I can't... People know Midsummer, and, you know, there's a lot of scenes that are very famous now from Midsummer. It became famous quite fast. You know, the bear costume, uh, the whole May Queen thing, you know, maybe even the introduction to a certain extent, but this scene does not get spoken about enough. I think this scene taps into very particular fears that you have. Yeah. And, you know, I will say that because I think people might not agree with it. I found it, you know, it was a disturbing scene. Uh, you reacted to it about a hundred times <laughs> uh, more, more than I did. Well, we were in a full cinema. I didn't even care. I, I did not care showing yeah. how scared I was. <laughs> what made me scared was the jump scare from Gary grabbing my arm. But it was like, it does make you jump, though, because it's such... The imagery makes you jump. There's no you noise. Know, you know something's going to happen, and, and Midsummer does... It, it pushes the, the boundaries quite far in, in particular scenes because you know something's going to happen. Mm. You know, something's going to happen. But what actually happens is not quite what you'd expect. And that's, you know, scary. You know, in some points it does make you jump. Um, For me, and it's not a particularly scary part of the film, but it's when the old couple jump off the the, the cliff. It's, It's not scary. I mean, it's very, it's built up, built up, built up. You know, you kind of know they're going to jump. What you don't know is that they're going to show you the whole fucking thing yeah. in very graphic detail. Yeah. Now, that got you in pr- near enough the same way this got me. I, you're seeing you jump, and that yeah. never happens in a cinema with you. Because you just, you expect it to cut away. Mm. Because you don't, you don't really think it's going to be one of those films. You, you think it's going to be, you know, uh, a very artsy film mm. it's like oh it's gonna be a very high brow very proper film you know it's gonna be scary and it's it's gonna be a great horror film but it's it's all gonna be what you don't see and it's all gonna be about the build-up and the tension and you know and the, the soundtrack and and no it's just gonna show this old man's head be bashed in mm. with a fucking massive hammer yeah in very graphic detail and it, it's shocking um, it's very well done. It it doesn't feel cheap. No. It doesn't feel cheap. Um, so it, it does come as a surprise and y- it is scary. And, and, you know, this scene with the face, you know, you were, you were expecting something to yeah, happen. just not that. You weren't <laughs> expecting somebody to have somebody else's face. And I didn't even know what it was. When I first watched it, I didn't even know that's what happened. Because the image got me straight away so much that I had that immediate response of turning away. And but then I was like, do you know what? This ain't doing it good because the fucking noise is terrifying. It, it was like two of my fears put into one. And 
at first it's hard to tell what it is until you you know you watch it again and you're like oh, oh shit he's wearing uh, Will Poulter's face um, but it's just the imagery is so disturbing yeah yeah this is one of those scares that it, it's the disturbing nature of it is really what adds yeah. to it yeah because you don't know why he's looking over and making this noise either yeah you know you who even is it is it the blonde kid I don't know. It's never revealed, is no, it? No, no. But I think with the noise it was making, it, it could have been the blonde kid. I think it was the blonde kid. But yeah, it, it really is such an effective scene. Uh, and Ari Aster is a modern... Modern? Modern, modern master of horror. Um, he's a genius. And he's only made two fucking films. Yeah. He's doing something that no one else is doing. Yeah, yeah. In very much the same way as Jordan Peele. I think the two of them is that they're both doing something that yeah. nobody else is doing. Um, and we're going to get a million rip-offs, we know yeah. it. But yeah. um, they've both originated these mm. very modern horror yeah. films. Polished. A polished style. Um, it is very polished style. And fair play to A24 for putting it out there. Because when we walked out of the cinema, one of the first things I said to you was, that was a modern horror film. That was a mainstream modern horror film. And it got away with so much that hadn't been done in a modern horror mm. film for since the Wicked Man. And it deals with so much that, you know, no other film really dealt no. with. Yeah. The same way that Hereditary did Ari Aster's first film. You know, it's a long film and it needs to be a long mm. film as well because yeah. it covers so much ground and so much uh, of people's emotions as well. It's quite an emotional film. Yeah. So moving on to number eight, we have Black Christmas in a scene that I have called Talk Dirty to Me. <laughs> the house, a little too dirty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the house phone rings and sorority sister Jess answers to discover it's an obscene phone call from a person. All of the girls in the sorority house have been calling the Mona. The girls gather around and listen to him as he rants in strange voices on the phone. Brash and foul-mouthed slay queen Barb takes the phone and insults the caller who in turn threatens to kill her. Now, you pick this scene in specific, uh, specifically uh, from Black Christmas, but you didn't know... That when I first tried to watch Black Christmas, I couldn't finish it after the scene because it made me feel disgusting. Yeah. And that's when I first shot myself. I've tried watch. I'd seen the remake before, the, the 2005 remake. And then I tried watching this. And obviously 2005 remake is fucking camp mid-2000 slasher film. Uh, nothing like this. And I just felt, ugh, just disgusting. Um, and it took me a while before I actually managed to finish it. Um, but... This scene is so early on, and it's just someone talking on the phone. But and you know, you listen to our podcast. We're we're not any uh, we're not prudes to swearing, are we? No. Um, but the way this guy's talking, it just feels wrong. It just feels disgusting and creepy. Yeah, it is, and it's the unknown, and uh, as well, and even the end of Black Christmas, you don't see the killer. No. Sorry, spoiler alert. But um, Black Christmas is one of my favourite horror films. We watch it every Christmas Mm -hmm. now. And I did before we met. Um, I think it's highly effective. I think 
this scene in particular, because there's phone calls throughout, and mm. you know, uh, each of them is is, is quite scary. Um, but this first one in particular, whoever did the voice acting for that deserves a round of applause. Yeah. Um, deserves top billing because I genuinely feel like there was a complete maniac on the other side of yeah. that yeah. phone. And um, <laughs> I'm going to go to win a, a first shot myself. Um, it was funny to begin with, and I was just a bit grim saying the first time I shot myself. Um, I was watching it on TV, and I'd, I'd heard of it, and I think maybe it was more effective because I was so familiar with the slasher film tropes, mm. you know, and I just thought it was going to be a cheapo slasher film. It was just the beginning of... I didn't have the knowledge that I do now and, and realising yeah. that it was, you know, one of the very first slasher prototype films. I didn't realise that. I just thought it was a slasher film set around Christmas. What a great watch. And um, I started watching it and my mum was in the room because I, I just thought it was a cheapo slasher film. And then he started... On the phone call, it's going, I'm going to lick your pretty cunt. <laughs> my mum was so horrible. Like, what are you watching? I'm like, I don't know. And I didn't. I was like, I was expecting a real shitty, cheapo Christmas slasher film, a fun time that I could watch with my mum there because it's just a stupid film. And I'm like, oh my God, this is really intense. <laughs> And the whole film, the film as a whole, you know, I I could put any moment really in there. Yeah. Any of the, the sort of death scenes. Um, Barb's, I think Claire's death is the most effective. Claire's death is very effective. I found Barb's death very effective mm. when um, uh, the eye is in the door. Yeah. You just see a glimpse of his face. Yeah. And it's one of those films, you know, it's not graphic. No. It's the deaths aren't particularly uh, bloody or over the top but it is so effective and it's very effective in what you don't see and it starts straight away with this really horrible voice at the end of the phone it does so moving on to number seven we have recently spoke about on the podcast psycho yes that scene Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Whilst in the shower, a shadowy figure appears and stabs Marion to death. That's literally all I've got because that's all that happens. Um, but again, as we discussed in the episode, the thing is, that is all that happens, but it's the build-up. It, there's so much surrounding it, you know. Um, you obviously get to know Marion by this point. It's very much the same way as that man, Archie Rutina. You know Marion by this point. And I read something on Wikipedia that I've never, all the times I've watched Psycho, I've never looked at before where apparently the scene is meant to imply that Marion has decided that she's going to go home the next day and take the money back because of the conversation she had with Norman. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. We recorded a whole episode on it and I didn't know that. Oh, it's not. Okay. No. And that makes that scene even more disturbing because that's it. You're hopeful for her. Yeah. You think that's it. She's going to redeem herself. Yeah. And then she's fucking butchered in the shower. And you, again, you don't see it happening. No, you don't because... 
We all know it was coming. You know, it's an iconic scene. Well, I was going to say, when we I first... Knew. Yeah, when I first shot myself, I'd seen the scene before I'd seen the film. And the yeah. scene itself scared the life out of me. But you get so engrossed in the story and you get so engrossed yeah. in Marion's character and that you kind of... You forget it's going to happen. And yeah. then it happens. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. of course. You know, it, it still catches you off guard because you are so engrossed in her story mm. And then this moment of horror, you know, build up, build up, build up, build up, you know, almost a romance story, like we said yeah. in the podcast. And then boom, like, oh, shit, you yeah. know, out of nowhere. Yeah. And it had to be, it had to be on the list because it is one of the scariest films of yeah. all time. I and one of the scariest scenes of all time. Yeah. You know, it's it's been mocked in popular culture relentlessly. Yeah. Um, it's a scene that's easy to mock, you know, I mean... It's been imitated in serious ways. I mean, look at the shitty remake. You know, that did the whole film scene for scene. Um, but nothing could be as effective as that moment. No. Did When when did you first watch Psycho? Did you say this on a podcast episode? Yeah. Okay, Yeah, cool. when I was We will move on to number just, six. Just listen to the podcast episode. <laughs> number six, we have Ringu. Sudoku's big entrance. So... I said Pingu. Oh, fuck. Ryuji is working at home when he suddenly hears metallic screeching. He turns around, sees TV is switched on by itself, and is showing the image of the well from the end of the infamous videotape. The vengeful ghost of Sudoku... Sudoku? Sudoku? <laughs> Gary. Sudoku? Sudoku. Oh, kill me. Crawls from the well, out of the TV set, and into uh, Ryoji's apartment, frightening him into a fatal state of shock. This scene was fucking groundbreaking, and it's not acknowledged enough how groundbreaking this is. Yeah. It, the film is groundbreaking. Mm. It really is. And talk about not being scared of what you don't see. Yeah. For the whole film, we don't see what is happening, what is going on here. Mm. You know, we're not seeing it. And then you see it. Yeah. And you're like, shit. The best thing I'll compare this to. What's happening? Well, the best thing I'll compare this to is, uh, and let me finish Paranormal Activity and Paranormal Activity Ghost Dimension. So, Paranormal Activity is effective for the first film because you don't see anything and that's why it's scary. Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension, you see the ghost and it's fucking dog shit. Now, <laughs> Ringu essentially does what Ghost Dimension does. It shows you. Yeah, up until this point, you know people are dying. You don't know how they're dying. Mm. You, you don't know how they're dying from this videotape. And that's what's scary. Somehow, this shows you what you're not seeing. And it's scarier than what you don't see. Yeah. <laughs> And you say to someone, someone crawling out of TV. Again, the image has been mocked in popular culture so much. But seriously, it's someone crawling out of a fucking TV. Yeah. And, and it's when you're watching the film that you realise how scary it is. When you're inside, the, when you're lost in the story, like with Psycho, and this happens, it's so effective. And he's powerless yes. to, to do anything. Yeah. He's just stuck there. So she's very, very slowly... Going about her business. Yeah. You know, it's not coming out of nowhere. Because we don't know what's happening before this point. Mm. You know, so we didn't really... You don't realise that actually it's going to be a very slow death. Yeah. 
a very slow death and he's going to watch his killer essentially very slowly mm. coming towards him. That's fucking yeah. scary. That's it, well creepy. It's when she gets close to the TV you're like, oh wow, okay, the scene's going to cut away. Exactly. It's like, oh no, she's definitely coming out no, of TV. this is it now. Yeah, she's coming out. And, and the effects are great. With that. Yeah. It doesn't look hokey at all. No. Um, I, we watched this together, didn't we, for the first time? Did no, you I think, watched it when I was oh, you, oh, okay. I, no, so I watched, I'd watched this for the first time with you. Um, and yeah, it was it was it was effective. Yeah, I had it on DVD. It was it was a real buzz film mm. uh, when I was younger, and I, I got it, you know, uh, on DVD when it uh, when I was sort of old enough to get it. So moving on to number five, we have the greatest film of all time, Halloween. Uh, Michael Watches, or also known as I, <laughs> I wish I had you all alone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. On Halloween, Laurie Strode drops off a key at the still unoccupied and dilapidated Myers home for her father um, because he's trying to sell it. Michael Myers stalks her throughout the day and she notices, but her friends Annie and Linda uh, dismiss her concerns. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not kidding. I genuinely think Halloween is the greatest film ever made. Um, it is my favourite film of all time. It's flawless in every single way. Again, a film you could pick a thousand moments from to include in this. Again, a film I've seen probably a thousand times. Uh, I This is, like you with Nightmare on Elm Street, I watched this near enough straight away after I watched it for the first time. Yeah. It blew me away, still does to this day. It... It's a masterpiece. And this whole sequence, you chose this sequence, it goes on for so long, but it's so effective because, you know, whereas later on you've got Michael Myers literally murdering people, at this point you don't know what his intentions are. You just know he killed someone when he was younger, he's escaped from mental asylum, and you just know you can only see him in the background. Yeah. And he looks scary. Yeah, and he's stalking his prey. Yeah. And... You know, he's watching, and we see that he's watching. Mm. And, you know, it, it, it's the one where uh, Laurie looks out the window mm. and he's with the washing. Yeah. And he's just watching her. Yeah. That's fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. If that happened to me, yeah. And this is the daytime too. This is daytime. Yeah. You, you know, a, a lot of horror just relies on nighttime scares. Mm-hmm. This one gets you during the day in the build up, mm. you know? So you know something horrible is coming at night if yeah. he's doing this shit during the fucking yeah. day. When when you can make a, a horror film effective during the daytime, you know you've succeeded. And it just again, you're getting to know these characters whilst all this is happening, whilst this guy's stalking her, you're getting to know her, you're getting to know Linda, you're getting to know Annie. Yeah. Um you know, so it it just makes it all more effective when it does get to night time and when they are murdered. Obviously not long Yeah, and, and, and I think Halloween is a, a film full of scary yeah. moments. Um, but I, I think for me in particular, it's these build-up scenes that are really creepy. Because you, you don't really get that, really. No. In, in horror films or slasher films. Not when he's brazenly stood there in... In next to her sheets in mm-hmm. the washing line. Yeah, you know this guy's crazy. He's yeah. he's not hiding necessarily. Mm-hmm. He's preparing. And of course, the soundtrack adds loads to these. Yeah. Um, to these moments, of, of, of course. Again, as I said, you know when when I first shot myself, I watched it. Um, 
after Friday the 13th, after Nightmare on Elm Street, I, I think I must have been about like 14. And I, I was genuinely obsessed with the film. Anytime, because it was on TV quite a lot as well. And anytime it was on TV, I'd make sure I'd watch it. I had it on videotape. It was just, yeah, it's just a masterpiece. Yes. And I, I will never accept anyone giving it less than five stars. I'm sorry. Okay. Just saying. Number four, we have The Silence of the Lambs. The best film ever made. <laughs> One of the greatest films ever made. No, the best film ever I can see it. I can absolutely see it. Yeah, of course. And we've gone with, whoops, wrong house or right house. Crawford and an FBI <laughs> HRT storm gums address. Finding the house empty. Meanwhile, Clarice goes to interview another person who knew Frederica. At the house, she meets Jack Gordon, but realises he is James Gum after spotting a deaf, uh, death's head moth flying loose. She pursues him into a cavernous, cavernous, cavern, whatever, basement where she finds Catherine trapped in a dry well in a completely dark room. Gun stalks Clarice with night vision goggles. This scene, uh, when I first shat myself, I, I very nearly shat myself because it's a what the fuck moment. Like a massive what the fuck moment. Yeah. Because, again, I, I, I know I've recently um, rimming Jonathan Demi about his directing skills, but I'll say it again, he is a fucking directing genius when it comes to this film because you genuinely think the FBI's got him. You think that's it. And then when he opens the door and you see him there when Jodie Foster's at the door, oh my God. I watched this alone and I still shouted no at my TV. Yeah. You have... We have this huge connection with Clarice throughout the whole film. You know, it is it is absolutely her film, and she is in danger, and very serious danger. Yeah. And then he turns the fucking lights off. Yeah. You know, so we're... And there's a lot of point of view mm. shots in this scene of he's able to see her in the dark, and she can't see him. Yeah. So it's really fucking tense. And it, obviously, with a lot of these films, you could choose many scenes. But for me, you know, um, my palms were sweating. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm on my sweat already. <laughs> it's the um, the opposite of why the ending of Wreck is effective. In the ending of Wreck, you can see the killer. Yeah. Whereas this, you can see the protagonist. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, Yeah. And the, the the noises as well, you know, the the breathing. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just, uh, again, we did a podcast episode on it. It's really well yeah. constructed, this scene. Number three, we have the scariest film of all time, in my opinion, The Exorcist. That crucifix scene. Chris McNeil enters her daughter's room to find objects flying everywhere. Her daughter, Regan, Regan... Uh, is on her bed violently masturbating with a crucifix whilst repeating, let Jesus fuck you. Chris tries to stop her, but Reagan places her head in her crotch area, telling her to lick her before smacking her across the face, which throws her to the other side of the room. Um, that might sound amusing to you, but in case you're not familiar with one, another one of the greatest films of all time, Reagan is a 12-year-old girl. Yeah, and that really, that really adds to it. Uh, I think Children in Peril always makes a scene scarier. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, it, it's very shocking. Very shocking. We can laugh at it. I mean, the first time I watched it, uh, I watched it with a group of friends, and we laughed. 
because you know because of the swearing because of you know the you know the the imagery and stuff we were laughing but it was really quite scary you know who put a front on don't you um when i watched it myself again you know it's very effective yeah i i uh obviously a new film massively built up by my parents um my mum thought it was cursed my dad thought it was one of the best films of all time and again you know I didn't watch it until later on in life. I, I, I like twenty thirteen. I believe was the first time I watched oh, it. Oh wow! Thought, yeah. Okay. And I was not prepared. I, I was not prepared. Even after all the controversy, the build up for it and everything, I was not prepared. And this scene just stuck with me so much. It was just so disturbing that they that they did this. You know. Yeah, and you feel really sorry for Chris. Yeah. You do, because you like her as a character and you feel really sorry for her that this is happening to her. Not only happening to a child, mm. you know, to, to Reagan, but actually happening to her. Yeah. And I think that adds to it a lot. Yeah, I mean, when you know, as if masturbating with a crucifix isn't bad enough, but, you know, shoving a head down there and saying, lick me, it's just fucking ruthless. Yeah, it's it really horrible. Is. I can't imagine an audience at the time, their reaction. Oh, like, oh my I God. Fucking yeah. horrified. Number two, we have The Blair Witch Project, that ending. That ending. Mike and Heather are looking for Josh and find an abandoned house containing demonic symbols and children's bloody handprints on the walls. Trying to find Josh, they go to the basement where an unseen force attacks Mike, causing him to drop his camera. Heather enters the basement screaming and her camera captures Mike standing in the corner. This film somehow made standing in a corner disturbing. Yeah. This is a film, a, uh, the film is a massive build-up to this moment. Yeah. It, it, that's all it is, is a build-up to this moment. Yeah. And the moment is him standing against the wall and the camera dropping. That should be shit. You should be like, what? All that and that's all we get. Yeah. But it's really fucking effective. It is. It it's is. really effective. And I often say, and of course, it, this is the 90s, everyone thought this was real. Yeah, it no, no one thought real. it. Yeah. The thing is, it feels it does. real. It does. A lot of found footage feels stagey. This didn't feel no. stagey. The they, first... they did all like their acting. They they were just like yeah. humans being annoying and frustrated that they were lost in the woods. Yeah. Um, I often cite Friday the Thirteenth the first horror film I watched. Technically, it would have been this, but a lot of it was with uh, my mom's hands over my eyes. Yeah. Um, but I, I always remember I did see... I, I managed to peek through and see this ending and it was just so scary. It is. Because, I mean, I obviously, I watched it out of context so the rest of the film because I didn't know what was going on. But it was fucking so disturbing and still is to this day. Yeah, because it feels real. It still feels real. You know, it doesn't have a completely overblown, ridiculous ending, which adds to the realism, yeah. which is what the filmmakers are going for. So Very I'm going to... I'm going to give you a quick fire honourable mentions. We haven't got a lot of time left. Um, go and seek these out for yourself. The Haunting, The Banging. The Exorcist, The Piss Scene. The Exorcist Free, The Nurse Jump Scare. It Follows, The Tall Guy. A Nightmare on Elm Street, Fr Freddy's Final Entrance Through the Bed Sheets. The Trailer Scene from Hills of Ice. The Kitchen Scene from The Strangers. The Wolf Mask Home Invasion from American Wealth in London. The Bath Scene from Diabolique. And everything after they start drinking sangria in Climax. Yeah. <laughs> mm. 
Coming in at number one, our scariest movie moment of all time is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Leatherface's big entrance. Kirk and Pam find a house whilst looking for gas. Pam waits outside whilst Kirk goes inside and is confronted by Leatherface, a large mute man wearing a mask made from human skin, who suddenly appears and kills him with a hammer. Pam enters soon after and trips into a room filled with furniture made from human bones. She attempts to flee, but Leatherface catches her, impales her on a meat hook, and makes her watch as he butchers Kirk with a chainsaw. Yeah, so we really like these characters. We've had this build-up. Yeah. This is our introduction to Leatherface. It starts with a really great jump scare, completely out of nowhere. Um, real great sound design. The, the squealing, the yeah. screaming. The It's not a particularly bloody film, but it's a violent end mm. for them, you know. And it looks real. It, lo- <laughs> it, it looks, looks like a snuff real. film. It feels real, and... <laughs> You know, the convulsions that he has Mm. after he's been hit on the head. Her screams go right through you, you know, as as you're seeing her on the hook. Mm. It's just such an effective scene. Um, I think it's the scariest film ever made. Yeah. And this is the scariest scene within that film. Yeah, again, another one I watched young and just absolutely traumatised me for days. It's just... The film itself is terrifying. It's one of the greatest films of all time. And this scene just always stands out. Yeah, I'd always heard of it. Uh, It'd been banned or or whatever. And this is the first horror film I was like, do you know what, I'm going to watch this like a proper horror film. Lights off by myself. Big mistake. (laughs) So that is it for our 20 scariest movie moments. Thanks for listening. If you're on social media, we're Horrorcourt Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horrorcourt Trash on Twitter. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Like, follow on Epic House. I am Gazmo205 on Instagram, gascruz 92 on Twitter, deadatgaz92 on Letterboxd. I'm Chris Barker823 on Twitter, Letterboxd, and Instagram. Again, all of the films we have recommended that we spoke about here today, highly recommend. Highly them. recommend. Go out and all watch of them. them. And uh, we will be seeing you on Tuesday, uh, where we will be discussing S Club C and Double. You're not hearing things. We're having a break from horror and we're going straight back to trash. Mm, ain't no party like an escalade party. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out if soon. that's true or not. <laughs> we'll see you on Tuesday. Happy Halloween. Bye.